Youthscape podcast, a podcast for Christians who work with young people. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode in this new season of the Youthscape podcast. And I'm here, Rachel Gardner, and I'm sat with my trusted sidekick, Martin Saunders. So, a sidekick? <laughs> Absolutely. Back in your box, Saunders. Sidekick, like Batman has Robin. Yeah. Actually, let's start there. Let's talk about female superhero characters, <laughs> the okay. representation of women. Because okay. I, in our household, there, there's a lot of excitement. There's a first Muslim female superhero. Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel. Yeah. That is an exciting thing, isn't it? It's yeah. actually that's lit off our family up it's quite significantly. So my daughter, who's now 10, she gets quite excited about all the female superheroes. Yeah. So I, I was someone that never was really into superheroes and Marvel. I didn't really care there weren't a huge number of women. I mean, I did care. But seeing my 10-year-old, like who lots of her very close friends are Muslim girls, like seeing her light up about this, yeah. she loves it. Marvel really messed that up. So in the first instance, you know, if you think back, I'm, I know I'm a Marvel nerd, so I won't go on too long. But, <laughs> but, you know, the original kind of Avengers Assemble, it was basically like the only woman in the team was, you know, basically there as a bit of a pinup. Yeah. So Black Widow, you know, she was there in her, her sort of Very tight, tight. Mm. costume. And um, Scott Johansson's a great actress, but that didn't feel like why she was there. Um, and so they've really kind of learned from that. And now you've actually got the Marvels coming out, uh, I think, next year, which is kind of all female cast. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's absolutely fantastic. And the other thing, because I, I watch these films under duress, some of them. Yeah. But Ant-Man, I'm very late to the party, but it is hilarious. Ant-Man's very good. I love Ant-Man. And the yeah. second one, Ant-Man and the, and the Wasp, Wasp, whatever. Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely brilliant. And what yeah. I love about it, this is a sideways segment. So welcome wow. to the Escape Podcast. Yeah, but what, we like to Twitter on about on stuff. What on earth? But I love the bit in it because for me, the reason I don't particularly like the Marvel and the Super and all that kind of stuff is it's so implausible. I know it's supposed to be implausible, but I oh. really, I cannot wrap but my Ant-Man head. you can get on board with. Because the reason they can't go back into this like strange universe where Michelle Pfeiffer is trapped is because basically he tells his mates where he's going because he wants to get on this gigabyte. And I'm like, that's so plausible. Right. It's so plausible that the whole of the universe is about to be destroyed because one person wants to tell their mate where they are so they can get a job right I, that, that, that that feels like very human frailty and i like human frailty as a storyline now can we get back to the most important <laughs> issue that's been raised so far in the podcast which is the pecking order of you and i okay. what on earth my sidekick <laughs> martin Saunders. you introduced me as your I, sidekick I was, not, I was bad I no I need but to it, owe you an apology you know what that came from somewhere that it came from come, a deep place it came from fame basically off air the guys like david our producers like Rachel, it's your turn to intro and i sat here in silence with both martin and dave looking at me and i knew that you were thinking i'm thinking of a really good thing but genuinely my brain was empty and it was just foam so I kind of made out to you that I, that I had something to go to start with and I didn't you didn't so I think the moment I started talking you're right it probably has come from a deep place because that's what I went and found we're allowed one really meta intro like this it's okay. like a year okay. not even a this season is this is the one this where is it's the like meta. talking about talking 
you know? <laughs> okay, all right, yeah, right. I get it. I, I'm going to stop now. Great. But I am excited to be talking about this because the person we're interviewing today is an evangelist. Yes. Somebody who spends their entire life on what I would refer to as the, as the FIBA, the fighting edge of the battle area. And all youth ministry, pastoral youth ministry, raising young people in faith who have part of Christian families, all absolutely core and vital. But I get particularly like motivated by chatting with people who actually want most of their time to be with young people that don't know Jesus and who will actually physically choose to stand in front of a thousand, you know, 16 year old atheists or agnostics or Wiccans or whatever and talk to them about Jesus. So I'm really excited about what we're going to hear about from our guest today. Can we uh, talk about our own experiences of evangelism, please? Yes, Gardner. So um, (laughs) delve back into your murky past. uh, And as a a sort of younger person, I'm not saying you're old now. I am old. But as a younger person. I'm embracing it. Did you, what were your sort of first brushes with evangelism? Well, I, I, I think I've, I've talked a lot about growing up in a, in a Christian community that if you're a missionary overseas, you're like, that is ultimate Christian discipleship. Um, and so I definitely grew up with this notion that there was a pecking order of evangelists. If you were, you were really serious about Jesus, if your whole job was being called an evangelist, the idea that you would just be a witness to Jesus in your everyday life, that was kind of a little bit of a cop out. Sidekick? You're a bit of a sidekick to Jesus. Um, but it but it took me to some not very helpful places as a very devout teenager. So my people know this, my family were homeless, we sofa surf with different people. And, and and as a teenager, I was I equated my parents making that choice with the fact that they were followers of Jesus. So I kind of inherited quite a devoted faith, but I was immature, I was young. So I would do things like stand up in the school canteen and just announce to people that their pets are not going to heaven. Really? And what what happens when <laughs> what you happened? let's know. just wind the clock no forward friends. 10 seconds I had no friends you had no friends no well i had a few who were just very very committed to me against all the odds <laughs> i didn't help them, really. other christians yeah, well no actually one of them was an atheist but she just felt so sorry for me <laughs> that she was like, i've got to gotta body block you somehow yes yeah, wow what happened when you i really want to relive this moment what happened when you stood up in the school canteen and said your pets aren't going to heaven well there was a context to it unfortunately there was a whole christian union vibe around it we were doing like questions that young people ask and that that obviously was the one that we felt everyone was asking but um at the same time as as i probably was alienating and upsetting a lot of people we were seeing a little bit of a revival in our school and it was all led by young people we didn't have youth workers come in we were a, a school that a few of us in my year group just really loved Jesus. We were immature. Our faith was, you know, quite, <laughs> you know, entrenched in a kind of unhelpful way. But we also were young people that just wanted to share this with our friends. And so every lunchtime once a week, we'd pack out this particular room, about 30 people, and we'd share our faith. And friends who were like doing Ouija boards in one classroom, we would go into that classroom and we would pray in that classroom. And they'd get really upset because they wouldn't be able to call up the dead spirits anymore. So we saw some nuts stuff. We were also terrible witnesses to Jesus. But somehow, amazingly, Jesus still did some beautiful stuff wow. and reach some people against the odds with no help from us but i think jesus quite likes that you know he'll work with anyone <laughs> i i'm having just thinking about my own youth i'm having sort of horrible flashbacks of things i'd buried and forgotten oh, so no. i remember but you, you weren't a christian as a teenager uh, i wasn't you? until i was 14 oh right okay uh and then when i was about 15 16 i remember i was in a lovely baptist church very good baptist church 
and we had a, a, a I'm going to say a dear woman come and visit us from uh, the United States who had a street drama ministry. <laughs> and I don't remember much about oh, her, no. but I do remember that she taught us some sketches, some evangelistic sketches <gasps> and, and some songs. And I still remember the song. I just, I didn't realize I did. But I do. Was it an evangelistic nope, song? Nope. It wasn't even evangelistic. It was just terrible. About sin? So, no, not even, not, don't think so deeply. What was it about? So um, we had to, so if anyone knows Kingston-upon-Thames, a nice shopping town, yeah, south of London. And, um, and, and they have a lovely Friday night vibe by the riverside. River Thames flows through Kingston and... Um, I spent later years of my youth in much more sensible places like having a beer. As you're inside the pub, as opposed to but converting. As a, as a very earnest 15-year-old actor slash evangelist, um, I and my friends, led by this American evangelist, skipped, and I'm not joking, skipped into the middle of the Friday night hubbub, oh my carrying a a, a sort of a stage cloth that was on a pole. Brilliant. And we said so that so we skipped in and we had to. We had to sing. Oh no! A merry merry roundelay, and we'll sing when the streets we play. What? What? A merry merry roundelay. We'll sing <laughs> as in the streets we play, and everyone will go. What is this? Who are these children? Why are they probably here? They thought you were like um, Morris dancers. They probably thought we were Morris dancers, or they thought we were in a cult. <laughs> um, and as I think back. I'm no. not sure which of them it was. <laughs> and so then we'd perform these dramas that were absolutely awful uh, in front of uh, and hoped that people would be one for Christ, that someone sitting there drinking their pint on a Friday night, on a Friday night mm. would think, Do you know, what? I'm enjoying the night with my friends. But actually, these guys seem like the place to be. I'll, <laughs> I'll join. I'm going to leave my friends. I'm going to join these guys. And, uh, and so we weren't successful, but we did, you know, there was that sort of earnest sense of like suffering for the gospel. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's a problem. And so that then is... we went back and we were yes. like, well, we had some good conversations. Yes. And we really planted some seeds and who knows what the Holy Spirit yeah, will do. Because the whole frame of reference of that type of evangelism is Jesus needs you to speak for him. He needs you to protect him, to defend him. He needs you to kind of call people to him. And so when you're brought, met with resistance, that actually is an yeah. indication that you're doing the right thing. And so it's just so awful because you just keep doing the yep. stuff that alienates everybody and actually probably leaves the young people or anyone who's involved in that kind of evangelism at some point going, I, I have no confidence in this gospel. Because, you know, what is it that you're sharing? So and, I and think it's disastrous. Do you know what's worse is actually, I don't really want to go to town on this this story or this woman, but I think some of my friends who were involved in that sort of, it, yeah. they lost their faith yeah. later on. Yeah. And part of the reason was they, they looked look back, back and like, what yeah. were we doing? Yeah. Like, this was total nonsense. Yeah. And so actually it's a little bit dangerous yeah. to young people to involve them in this stuff. Absolutely. And I think the interesting thing between our two stories is that I was involved. Yeah, I was standing up telling people their pets don't go to heaven, but there weren't any adult leaders in that mix telling me to do that. So that was on one level part of the problem was that we weren't being discipled. We were actually left to our own devices. But it means that you look back and go, well, that was that was 
misplaced devotion or an over-exuberant. So in a way, I, I don't know that I look back and go, that was actually trauma. I mean, I'm, I really hope it wasn't traumatic if people are listening. I, don't, I really hope not. Um, and maybe it wasn't. Oh. But um, there wasn't an adult colluding with that. Whereas I think the difficult, the complex about your story is that actually you were taken there by someone who was told, who told you, yeah. I'm a mature Christian. Yeah. This is what it looks Got like. Got us to say the words Merry Roundelay. I still don't know what that means. <laughs> That could be profoundly unhelpful. My goodness. What's a roundelay? My goodness me. What is a roundelay? I don't know. Well, whatever it is, it's sinful, so they shouldn't be doing it. So it is interesting. And I think evangelism is is it is the word that is that always produces a bit of a reaction, doesn't it, in terms of particularly within the youth ministry community, because we are working with young people who might be might grown up in the faith, they might be deconstructing it, young people that might be very faith illiterate, but they're really interested. And we are so conscious of, as leaders, that we can be, you know, the potential to be manipulative or the potential to, to, to receive youthful devotion and actually misuse it a little bit, um, rather than be really wise sages. And people who young people can look at and go, well, actually, they share their faith quite naturally in their context. So this is just an overflow of that. Can I ask you something? I'll be a bit vulnerable here as well, but I want to ask you whether you've had this experience. Do you know, have you ever been on the stage at an event with a number of young people there and you know that if you were to use a certain form of words right now, you could initiate and activate behaviors in that room that weren't really of God, but were of your own neuro-linguistic programming? that you could actually get, you could get a reaction. It's scary how much power we trust our platform people with, actually. I had a profound sense of that this summer, just thinking, sorry, I've mentioned it again. But, but you know, but, you know, I was like, oh, gosh, if I want to now, if I want to generate a reaction in this room, I could. That's, I, I found that quite sobering and scary. Well, I, and I do agree with you. And you and I talk about this a lot off air because I think we're people that hold ourselves a little bit accountable to each other with some of that stuff. And so we talked a lot, didn't we, about the first night at Satellites. We talked a lot about what the response would be. And we really said, we're going to hold silence because we just felt it would be too easy, this pent up emotion. And so let's just hold, hold people silent for Jesus. I think there's, on one level, I think, music creativity response i think groups of people want an outlet for response and actually really enjoy doing some kind of corporate response i mean you look at all the stuff around the queen's death and so it's not the problem isn't that somebody from the front is facilitating the possibility of a response the problem is where the person at the front projects onto the people listening an emotional landscape, a very narrow thing they're going to do now, a very prescriptive, which actually removes people's freedom to think for themselves and to actually make this an actual heart connection. So I think when it's done really well, it might look still like lots of sweaty young people in a, in a venue, hyped, responding, but you know that the person at the front who's a, who's inviting this is is it's a very broad invite. You yeah, you just wanna you just wanna respond to this, and it's not like which means that now you're gonna do this and now you're gonna do that and now. So I think it, as long as that's managed in a very person spirit and person centric way. I think that can be really, really helpful. But I think you're right. We know in ourselves when that moves from, I think the Holy Spirit is doing something, so I'm just going to say, and it moves into, actually, I want to see a response. I want to feel validated. Um, but And interestingly, one of the comments that a youth worker made to me, first night, the satellite, sorry, <laughs> won't talk about it again. 
But because I was the first night preacher, and she said to me, when you started telling that last story, I thought, uh-oh, here we go. I've got vulnerable young people. Whatever you ask them to do, they'll do. And I told that story, and then I said something else, and then I said, now we're going to stand in silence. And I could feel Martin in myself. I yeah. felt that tension yeah. in myself. I felt, I can now say, so is anyone here mm. <laughs> feeling a bit lonely? Yeah. <laughs> feeling a bit like anxious and disconnected? I'm in there all say It's the first night, for goodness sake. So it was a really good spiritual discipline for me going onto the platform, knowing the only thing we're going to say is, just let's just be quiet and Jesus is here. And, and he, I, need to, I don't need to know what he's doing in you. He'll just do it in you. And tell a youth leader was really liberating for me and liberating for the space, I think. And the most amazing thing that I heard all week was people coming up to me on the last night saying, do you know, like my friend got healed of this like crippling back (laughs) injury. (laughs) I was like, we didn't even mention healing. What are you talking about? And that then blows my mind at what God could do if we don't try and do it all for him. Anyway, we're going to draw a line under that. We're not going to talk about satellites anymore. Um, We've got a great guest today. Um, from one of our favourite organisations. Do you want to just say a little bit about this brilliant organisation? Because I know you know them really well. I do. And they're based in Manchester. They're called The Message. You will have heard about them. They do stuff all over the place. But since moving to the north, I think I've I've sort of been a little bit closer and orbited their world a bit more and seen what they do. And I I love that the beating heart of this organisation is a very very raw <laughs> desire that a young person in a housing estate, in a school, in Greater Manchester, wherever, uh, is presented with how beautiful Jesus is and is given an opportunity to say, I'd like to find out more. And every time I connect with them, I just come away very, very inspired in the nicest possible way with the simplicity of sharing Jesus. They do what they do incredibly well. These guys have been putting on events, you know, doing bands, doing shows, putting on gigs, running roadshows for years. Like this stuff is second nature to them. They just do it without thinking and they do it excellently well. But the moment you connect with them, you're like, ah, oh, this is not about the show. This is about young people meeting Jesus. And, and I love how they've got alongside us in Blackburn, Accrington, Burnley, all sorts of churches, churches that have no idea what a young person looks like. You know, and, and we always feel affirmed by them. They're always keen to work with everybody. And I love that heart. They're not too cool for school, and but what they do is brilliant. So I was really excited to catch up with Daniel Eduardo um, to talk a little bit about Festival Manchester, which you may have heard about. But then we take a sideways step and we chat a little bit about this theme for the National Youth Ministry Weekend, Stronger. But what that means for us as leaders as well um, and what it means for us to capture confidence in the gospel so that as we seek to raise up witnesses to Christ evangelists whatever word you want to use all good words that actually we do that knowing what Jesus brings is the sweetest thing for everybody and it comes from that place of confidence in this season of the Youthscape podcast, we're meeting some of the speakers at the National Youth Ministry Weekend. It's happening in Birmingham on the weekend of the 18th to the 20th of November. And we're going to be spilling the beans on the programme and introducing you to this year's brilliant theme, Stronger. If you've been to the National Youth Ministry Weekend before, you'll know just how brilliant it is for everyone working with young people in the church, whether you're a volunteer or working for a church organisation. But it's not just the free resources and the brilliant advice you get from talks and discussions that makes it so fantastic. It's the boost you get from spending a whole weekend with people who are just like you, who care about young people and want to see them grow in their faith. It literally sets you up for the year ahead. 
to this November, we're looking at how we can help young people that we serve develop the kind of faith that will last a lifetime. Plus, we've got a particular focus on how we can help them engage more deeply and meaningfully with the Bible, which is a real challenge for a lot of us. So we're going to dig down and get some inspiration and answers about how we can make that happen. So if you want to join a thousand others this November, you need to grab your tickets quickly. They are selling out fast. So to get your tickets, go to youthscape.co.uk forward slash NYMW, where you can get your tickets, you can read about the event, you can get excited with us ahead of this November's event. That address again, it's youthscape.co.uk forward slash NYMW. We'll see, see you there. Daniel, tell us a little bit about yourself, because your journey to get you to this point of of being where you are at the message, I think is quite an interesting one. So t- tell us a bit mm. about who you are. For sure, for sure. So my name is Daniel Eduardo. Uh, as you can hear by my surname, it's not an English surname, it's because I'm Portuguese. I was born in Portugal, grew up in Portugal, moved to the UK in 2008. I heard of a, a far distant land that had incredible weather. So I decided to relocate from Portugal to <laughs> to the UK. But no, no, um, no. I kept. I came. I came over to study. My parents are missionaries. My dad is from Angola, which is a southwest country in Africa, and my mom is German English uh, descent. Um, and so they both moved to Portugal, just kind of following the call of the Lord, just to serve the people in Portugal. They got married, started a ministry out there. I came along later. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm a missionary kid, really. I'm a preacher's kid. I'm a missionary kid kind of exposed to traveling a lot all over the place. Uh, but in 2008, I guess that was the start of my journey as following what God was calling me to do. Um, so I moved to the UK, I went to uni in Birmingham. I did drama and theater arts. I always enjoyed kind of like, I don't know, performing, being in front of people. And to be fair, as cheesy as this might sound, I kind of wanted to know how could I best communicate who Jesus is to people. And I thought that drama and theater would give me the skills that I I needed to to be able to communicate in front of people. So I did that and then post that. I was teaching for a year in a local school and then I moved up to Manchester. Again, I felt like God was saying it's time to move on from there. I moved up to Manchester to join in with this organization, missional organization called the Message Trust. I did a training year. It was called Genetic then. Now it's called the Message School of Evangelism. And then post that, got offered a job to front a indie pop band called Brightline. And we, for the last, we actually had our final gig last Friday. But for the last nine years or so, I've had the incredible opportunity and privilege of just traveling around the world, telling young people about Jesus, doing youth work, mobilizing churches for mission, uh, performing either in schools, in prisons, doing festivals, playing in arenas all over the world. But the main thing is utilizing music as a vehicle to bring the good news of Jesus. And in the meantime as well, working on a festival that happened last summer called Festival Manchester. So how can we engage and mobilize churches to be missionally thinking post-COVID to love their communities, to stand together in unity, to step out in faith. Um, so that's kind of what I've been doing. And now what my role with the message and with what I do is I, I head up church engagement. So how can I, again, mobilize churches, youth leaders to be missionally thinking, to be post-COVID, to be, ah, let's do something in our communities. Let's be the hands and feet of Jesus. Let's bring this incredible message of hope 
uh, and that hope has a name and his name is Jesus. So in a nutshell, that's kind of what I've done. That's what I do. And I'm excited to see what God is going to take me to do. Oh, my goodness. Everyone is madly Googling now. Bright line. Everyone's like, I want to see this guy. That is so amazing. I'm so gutted we all missed your last gig. So it sounds like a golden thread through your life. Mm. Daniel has been seeing people on the fighting edge of the battle area in terms Mm. of engaging with culture, telling the story of Jesus. I love it that you went to drama school to (laughs) think how to be a better communicator. Mm. And and you sort of dropped in that coming out of lockdown, almost having to sort of re-stir the imagination of churches to think missionally again. Mm. I'd I'd love to hear a little bit more about that because on one level I'm like, surely churches get it, that the vast majority of people aren't connecting with Jesus Mm. and our job is to like get out the four walls. But I guess that's so challenging, isn't it? Mm. What have you found have been some of the responses as, as you've encouraged churches to think missionally. Yeah, totally. You know what, Rachel? I, I genuinely think, and I've I learned this, especially as I've been chatting with church leaders and youth leaders, people were just tired. I mean, COVID lockdown, it, it was just so draining. All of a sudden, not only are you leading a group of people, you're leading a church, which on a good day, it's still, it's not an easy job. It's, it's a lot of work, let alone to all of a sudden have to pivot and, think of new ways and then how to think how do we take everything online and educate ourselves how to engage with the online world and all that kind of stuff and obviously then people being disconnected people that probably for years have been going to church and then all of a sudden being disconnected with local church and and it's just draining and tiring and I, I generally felt like my job was to inject again new vision, new passion. My job was to put my my thumb and my finger underneath pastor's chins and lift up their head and be like, let's go again. How could I genuinely encourage? And, and I think one of the things that it was important to do is actually see what God is doing. Because it's not about, I genuinely believe, it's not about our plans or our strategies or our kind of the things that we can do, but it's what is the Spirit doing? What is the Spirit of God doing in our community? Because even in the midst of the pandemic, in the midst of COVID, in the midst of lockdown, God was still moving. It's not like God went on holiday and kind of put like a pause. God was still doing stuff and God was still meeting with people. So then it's like, how can we see what God is doing what are the conversations that are happening in our communities? And then how can we partner with God on what I believe the rescue mission that he's on? Because that's why it's God, the creator of the universe, is on the rescue mission to get his kids back home. So I guess our job is like partnering with him on this rescue mission. So the question was, what is God doing? What is God saying? And as big or as small is, how can we then play a small part in the advancement of the kingdom and see God do more stuff? Um, so that that was an, that was a really interesting thing. Um, it, it, it it took a journey. It was a bit of a journey. Uh, not a lot of people like, oh, sure, well, yes, let's do it. But I think having a focus like in this particular case in, in the Northwest Festival Manchester and having a big goal that was going to happen in, in two years time and enabling people to do small social action projects within their communities, cleaning up the streets, uh, painting fences, having barbecues, going into the local school, talking about mental well-being, or talking about encouraging young people to love their neighbors as they love themselves. Um, If having those small little things, things that people could grasp and be like, oh, I can do this, kind of re-energized them and made them 
I don't know, maybe fall in love with their communities again. Like, ah, oh, this is the reason why I'm doing this. I remember there was this one pastor who, a vicar from a, from a small village in, in, um, in the Northwest, in Cheshire, in Posh Wrigley. And he was about to retire. Um, and he was about to say, no, I'm, I'm done. And then we, I remember he came to one of our kind of vision that we were just talking about mission. And he said, I put a pause on my retirement and I thought, Let's go again. Let's go again as a church. And they're like small, small little church, but they took such an ownership of their village and brought coaches and did so much beautiful things. New people joined the church. It's just a beautiful thing to kind of see the fruits of it. But so that's kind of what I felt it was our job to lift up people. Says so like, man, we're in this together. Let's, let's give it a go. Let's go again. I think Festival Manchester was such a beautiful gift to the churches up in the Northwest where I also am. Because as you say, just... Um, that kind of mindset shift from we've just survived during lockdown, mm. you know, almost our outreach in, in terms of youth work was almost put on a hold. We did it mm. differently. And then to suddenly bring a little group of young people to a really huge event, um, I, I think stirred all of us like, mm. yeah, we can do this stuff. And yeah. the theme for our National Youth Ministry Weekend, which you are speaking at, Daniel, we're going to hear yeah. stories about Festival Manchester and other stuff that you're going to be talking about. Um, the theme is stronger. And when I hear you... I hear you calling the church to a bolder evangelism, like mm. a stronger voice, which isn't shouting at people from the street corner and demanding their attention, but it's asking questions like, how do we win the attention of this mm. generation? How do we invite them? So I just want to ask you that question. Mm. How are you seeing mm. the young people that you connect with globally and locally mm. How are you capturing their imagination for Jesus? What does that look like? Yeah, for sure. Uh, one, one of my favorite stories, I love this story, it's in Acts 17. There's a story when Paul is, <clears throat> is in Athens and he's just walking around. And then he, the first thing he does is just kind of observe and see what's happening within culture. Um, and it talked about how his heart was just like broken because he just saw these idols and all these things. But what he does, though, and I think is so key for us as youth leaders, as church leaders, he goes into a culture, he learns about the culture, he learns the language and he learns what's going on. And then he speaks directly into it, utilizing the tools that are within culture. So in this particular case, he utilized the, the idol to the unknown God. And then through that, presented the good news of Jesus. Some of them believed and some of them didn't believe. Uh, our job is not to try and twist people's arms or convince. Our job is to simply sow the seed and allow them the spirit of God to do to do the rest. So I think for us, which is an important thing, is like within culture, what is what is the language that in this particular case, young people are talking about? What are the things that they're experiencing? Um, and I think as well, it's the, it's the restoration and the confidence of the gospel. I think it's the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believes. That's what Paul says in Romans 1.16. Like there is power within the gospel. And I think so many times we try to fight for people's attention with a bunch of entertainment. And don't get me wrong, entertainment is good. You know, music is great and all that kind of stuff. But the reality, what changes lives and society is the good news of Jesus. It is the gospel. It's the hope. So... I think for me as a, as a, as a youth leader, as a, as a youth worker, as someone who is a follower of Jesus, like how can I communicate this beautiful gospel, which and I was speaking to a church leader this morning about this. It's, it's not just the one thing you put your hand up and follow Jesus. That's it. But how does the gospel influence every single area and aspect of our lives, every single aspect of our lives? 
And then how do we communicate this beautiful gospel to people in a language they understand? Uh, what is the vehicle to which we can do this? We, you know, are we, um, Again, I do apologize for going on about Festival Manchester, but one of the things that we you know we were thinking again, obviously it's a musical festival, but then I remember being in the room and thinking like, but how do we connect with people who are not necessarily into music? And the idea of let's do let's have a gaming dome, let's have a gaming tent. So you know we chat with some friends, and again God was just so kind, provided that there was we got some PS5s and some state of the art PCs and some switches and like stuff that young people you know what people in general enjoy. And we had this in, big tent, giant screen where people could play FIFA and then had a bit of a tournament and all that kind of stuff. But again to see that tent rammed with young people and then certain moments having those conversations, one-on-one -on -one conversations, utilizing FIFA, utilizing the gaming, just building those relationships and then having an opportunity to present who Jesus is and give an opportunity for people to respond and to get plugged into local church. For us, that was, we would say that was a really successful way of engaging with culture and with young people. Um, it's speaking the language that they speak. And, you know, the psalmist says this, Psalm, I think Psalm 42, verse 1, or maybe it's Proverbs 42, verse 1, I don't know. But it says that as the deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you. I think it's Psalm. As the deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you. And I think there's a longing in everyone's heart. They're looking for something. That's why they try a whole bunch of different things. Yeah. And the yeah. reality is what brings true satisfaction, true joy, true peace is is, is Jesus. So good. I, you know, uh, people uh, think because they have breath in their lungs, they live. But reality is that everyone exists. But we're not made to simply exist. We're made to live, mm -hmm. live life to the full, life of purpose, and that's with Jesus. So, as we communicate this good news, we're communicating life. We're communicating purpose, and I, I think that's that. what people are looking for. We're going to dig into that in a minute, but um, I, I feel like I need to name it. So, I'm I'm a woman in the middle the middle years of her life. I'm not going to say I'm middle aged. I am. <laughs> I'm wearing a lime green leather trench coat just to kind of mitigate it against, great, against my years. But I'm I'm smiling to myself because it's so refreshing to hear. You know, the ex-frontman from an alt-indie band say, of course, use music. Of course, do the best performances you can. But actually, when the gospel connects with the young person's life, it's less about the fanfare and it's more about the truth. So my little smile is the reason, reason listeners, that I'm late to this interview. Daniel was waiting for me on Squadcast. <laughs> That's bad, isn't it? The reason I'm late is I've come from a lunch club in a high school. And it was my job today, Daniel, to do the little kind of like the two-minute thought. So there's about 60 teenagers, year seven and eight, in the hall. And there was no microphone today. <laughs> They're like, Rach, you're up. I was like, what? So what I'd done was I'd, um, I'd gone old school. I'd bought a load of Chorley cakes. Daniel, you're yeah. from Manchester. Do you know about Chorley cakes? I do so know about Chorley cakes. They're too, like yeah. these, for listeners who don't know, they're like these weird puff pastry things, like stuffed full of raisins. Basically, they're the biscuit that your grandma loved. Like absolutely <laughs> no teenagers love Chorley cakes. So I had Chorley cakes and I had a game. And I was like, guys, the prize is Chorley cakes. So I set this whole prize thing up for them to come and get involved with this game. And because they're year seven, they're up for anything. I love year seven. It's my favorite year group. So they all came and played this game. And it was about grabbing something. And eventually this one kid won the Chorley cakes. But... Get ready for this, Daniel. You can nick go this on, idea. Go on. When I pulled them out of my pocket, it was actually a PlayStation £10 voucher. <gasps> and wow. I was like, man, I've been a youth worker for 20 years. I'm still pulling out. They're like, oh I'll buy their attention. You still got <laughs> it, Rachel. Made them love me. A £10 PlayStation voucher. And then my killer line was, 
every week we come in here and we invite you to grab hold of Jesus. And sometimes it feels like that would be about the Chorley case, but actually it's about the playtation voucher. But as I went away, do you know the little thought in my head, Daniel? As I went away, I thought, the problem is, for so many of us as youth workers, the difficulty for us is that we know that grabbing hold of Jesus for these young people is life in all its fullness. Mm. And, and it doesn't mean like rosy life. It doesn't mean best mm. life. It no, means no, no. like a rich, deep, strong life. But sometimes inviting them to church feels like giving them chorley cakes. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's like, yeah. this is really tough. And I, and I think coming out of lockdown, you've hit the nail on the head. We know that the church is good news for young people. But we also know that so much of what happens in church just culturally just doesn't connect with teenagers. And so many of us as youth workers tend to then build our programs and our strategies around that handful of teenagers who are kind mm. of, they already get the weirdness. <laughs> They're like, yeah, yeah, they've yeah. grown up through it. They understand mm. it. They, they love the weirdness. And we forget to kind of really cast a vision for all mm. the young people in our community. Yeah. You kind of live in that space of mm. all the young people. Yeah. I'd love to hear some thoughts. Any youth worker listening saying, I, re- I have got a heart for the whole community, but I don't know quite where I begin. Mm. You know, what? I haven't got the budget to put on a massive event, but I've mm. got, there's me or whatever. What, like, what are you seeing is connecting? Yeah. What, do you, what advice would you give? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, Rachel. Um, I think I think there's two things. I think yeah, you're right. We for so long we've tried to grab people and bring into our area, into our space, and I'm, I'm like, ah, oh, let's just flip it. Let's go into their space. Let's go into their area. So it's like, how? I mean, with the, with the local park, I don't know, uh, local park, local areas, wherever young people gather. How can you? go from your comfort zone and that's that's why it is is removing yourself from the comfort zone the safe place oh this is my building this is my room i got my tvs and everything here but going in and you don't even have to be i guess spending loads of money but just going in having those deeper meaningful conversations not being weird not being the weird youth worker but just just being there where there's football tournaments whatever is bringing football just hanging out with young people i think that's a that's a, a key thing. It's just a classic detached youth work. And I think that's, an, that's a, such an important thing. But as well, I would say more than that is to take the pressure off yourself as a youth leader. Like, oh, I need to do this. Man, you've got a whole team, young people. But no, you've got, you got that small group of young people that are in your crew. Like, what are we doing to empower them to be missional? So often we think, oh, only when you get a certain age, then we can really delve in and go deep in terms of what this mission look like, what does evangelism look like. Like, shoot, they these guys have a captive audience. They've got their friends. They've got their people. How can we equip them to be confident in the gospel, to be confident in sharing? How do you share your story? How do you, and so how can we really, and I guess that's part of discipleship, isn't it? But how can we generally inspire and equip our young people to talk to their friends outside uh, to do stuff in their schools to start the small prayer groups in the schools to start the cus whatever whatever ends up is the best way the best route but I, w- I would say that's probably that's a, that's a big thing and we we tried and even as the message we that's what we've been trying to really focus on specifically from september almost like equipping young people to be missionally minded and to go i remember we got a picture and it's just so beautiful uh, as part of again in the build-up to festival we got a picture from uh, a church a church in north manchester king's church bolters in bolton and um they sent a picture of a bunch of young people in their church just arms together praying for their friends who they were going to invite to come to their youth group and it was just a beautiful ownership of young people it's like 
man, these young, my friends need to know who Jesus is. Um, so we did some training sessions with them, just a simple stuff in terms of how do you share the gospel, the four points, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and then just seeing them in action, going out and about and, and just doing it with no fear, just bold, like, I'm going to give it a go. I'm with my mates. What's the worst thing that can happen? Someone says no to me. Um, so, but I think those are the two things. Yes. One, as a youth leader, go out, do stuff and yes. empower your young people to go out and do stuff. I love that. I just love that idea that we would get, first of all, get ourselves out of our comfort zones. Because I think you're right, inviting our young people to be the evangelists in their peer groups, you are asking them out of their comfort zones. It's good for us to kind of feel that fear too. It's not on one level. And then be amazed by the young people that actually are like, yeah, I'm already doing it, actually. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. oh, I've got this course lined up and you're doing it. Earlier, you said a great thing, Daniel, about the Holy Spirit, listening to what the Holy Spirit's doing in our community and responding out of that, not just thinking we've got to do more, we've got to do more. So mm-hmm. we've got to do a lot with our young young people. Then we've got to add more stuff with missional stuff, but actually sensing what the Holy Spirit's doing. I guess mm-hmm. in a way, we all instinctively know what we mean by that. Mm-hmm. But actually also in the nitty gritty, that can be sometimes hard to think, are those my thoughts and my ideas? How do I know if that is what the Holy Spirit is saying as opposed to just one of my nutty ideas? Mm. Well, just in your own experience, how have you discerned when something that you've come up with has been, I, I think that's of God or mm. that was just a bit of a silly idea or, or I don't even know if it is of God, but it's the kind of thing God would say. So we're going to run with it until he makes it clear it's not. Like how, mm. how do you discern where yeah. to go, where to start? That's a really great question. And I, I, I was many times fall back on the latter one i think if if what i'm feeling is is in accordance with scripture and what what the bible says i'm like i'm gonna run with it uh i'm gonna try and be obedient to what god said and and i guess for me i'm like god i love you so much and i love these people and this might be just a daniel idea or crazy idea but i just think i should do this i'll give it a go um and most of the time when i'm trying to figure out what to do that's what that's what we, that's what that's how i do it going back to the to the gaming thing again it wasn't wasn't a deep spiritual moment it was just a i just what's 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 happening what's the language ah oh, i feel like we should do something about this and it was clear that's what the holy spirit was directing us to do because it's reaching the people it's reaching the lost and that's what that's he wants his kids back home um so it's giving that step of faith there'll be moments i guess where you feel like boom you feel within you like we need to do this and it's like certain and there's other moments of like ah oh, maybe maybe not maybe it's just a crazy idea but if it's honoring the lord and and it's honoring people and we're reaching out for people let's just give it a go yes. what's, what's the worst thing that can happen oh, falls on his face we just have to rethink of our ideas that i, I i'm sorry I'm, i wish i had like a really clear boom this is how you know duh, but but it's not i just try throw stuff at the wall and just hope for the best and like man I'll, yeah. i love jesus i love jesus i love people let's give it a go that's what we try to do i think i love your honesty in that actually because i think what we tend to see in each other's ministries or youth groups we see the things that eventually works because those are the things that we talked about what we mm-hmm. don't tend to see are the many times that we tried something and it didn't work, we gave it a go. And, and actually we grew in faith, even if the numbers didn't grow or, mm. you know, something changed in us. And that is so, I think that is so important to hear those stories that we are, like you were saying, we are in a new landscape. This is a new missional space. We've, mm. we've never led in this kind yeah. of global environment before. So it's going to be 
actually, we need to accept that it's going to feel tough. We're going to feel uncertain. We don't know what's going to work, what's going to stick. We're listening to the voices of young people and we're listening Mm. to the spirit. And that feels like an anciently good thing to do, even if what we end up doing is like, well, we'll just try this. Daniel, Mm. that is so awesome. We are so looking forward to having you at the National Youth Ministry Weekend. I mean, I know that you're used to being with lots of people. Are you used to being with a thousand other youth leaders who like nothing better than to nerd out on how much we love young people in Jesus. I mean, it's, it is, it is amazing. So if, um, if you had a viva, nobody has a viva in these days and age, but if you had like a, I'll only come and speak if you like, give me blue M&Ms and, yeah. oh yeah, what, what would be like, what's your drink of choice? What's, what's your drink snack of choice? Because I'll oh. make sure we get that for you. So. Oh my goodness. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I love sparkling water. I, I, sparkling I, water. Uh, that's very oh Celine Dion that is uh, I know that's I like <laughs> to think I am the Portuguese Celine Dion I like to th- <laughs> uh, and some chorley cakes I'm going oh, to chuck some on, chorley do cakes it, do it. home from home home from home I'm so excited <laughs> to be with you guys thank you and thank you so much so right now if we want to kind of check in with what's happening in the message what, what are the exciting things that youth leaders might be able to grab hold of or find out about what, what yeah, can we find sure. about so we have a bunch of resources here the message uh respect me uh we're doing multiple tours we're actually currently this week we're in the northeast doing a normal knives tour uh with a bunch of different schools in the northeast which is which is quite exciting uh we've actually just had a a youth conference but we we're planning on having more youth leader gatherings just a a smaller network again just to empower them equip them and just kind of help them out but for many other information just go to message.org.uk and you'll be able to find just everything and if there's enough demand, would would Brightline come and do a repeat performance somewhere? If if we could crowdfund it, if, if there's like a legit like, <laughs> let's go, you know what? We will we will do something. Hosted we'll do by Charlie Cakes. Oh, Daniel, <laughs> bless you, mate. We can't wait to see you in November. Take care. Take Bye. care. See you later. Bye. Bye. Merry, merry roundelay, we'll sing as in the streets we play.